0: Our scripture from today comes from the book of Mark chapter 11 verse 1. and it reads, "As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you." And just as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? say the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people will let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who, went ahead and cut those, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, "'Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest heaven!' Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts." He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Will you please join me in prayer? Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for allowing us all to come in here together and meet in community and in fellowship this morning. Um, Thank you for blessing us with this book of wisdom um, that we have been reading from and the understanding that we can get from that. which we read, and I thank you for your gift of your son Jesus, which you sent down for us. Um, I pray that as a congregation that we can read this and that we can submit to you. We can surrender everything we have to you and all of your glory and all of your power and recognize the fact that you have sent Jesus down for us and recognize the fact that you will meet all of our needs, so we have no need to question or to worry. We pray for Pastor Mike that you will grant him discernment and encouragement and wisdom um, so that he can bring glory to you when he comes up here and preaches from your word so that the words that he speaks are not his own, but yours flowing through him. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Hail to the Lord's anointed. Great David, the king of all kings, greater son. When we look at the events of Palm Sunday, it's important for us to ask these questions. Why does Jesus go to Jerusalem, and why now? Why now? A brief history lesson. Jerusalem is the spiritual center of God's chosen people. Why? You might remember the story from Genesis where Abraham is promised by God children that would number as many as the sands on the beach of the ocean, as many as the stars in the sky. Abraham was nearly 100 years old when his son Abraham, or Isaac, was born. Abraham and Sarah had the child Isaac. Nothing was more precious to Abraham than Isaac. He was the apple of his father's eye. And what does God do when this child raises to be 13 or 14 years old? He comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, to the mount I prescribe and sacrifice him there. As they walked along the line to What's called Mount Moriah Isaac said father I have the fire he would have been carrying a bucket of coal And I have The wood Where is The lamb For the sacrifice And Abraham repeatedly said to his son God himself Will provide the lamb For the sacrifice And I want to show you the place where this happened Let's take a look at this picture now, I want to point to something. It's small in the picture, but you have great eyes, and if not, you have the internet. You can look it up later. Far, okay, take the, the Golden Dome. is the Dome on the Rock. That's Mount Moriah. Let's move to the far right of the picture, and you see the wall, and in the, in the wall, on the farthest right-hand side of the picture, you'll see a little um, higher place that was obviously a defense situation, and below it, it looks like a couple of archways, which, was, which is known as the eastern Gate, Not the Easter gate, but the Eastern gate of the Holy City of Jerusalem. Do you see it? See it? Keep looking. If you don't see it, you'll find it. The Eastern gate of the Holy City of Jerusalem is critical importance to the Palm Sunday story and to the history of God's chosen people. In Ezekiel 44, it says this, of the Eastern gate, only the prince, only the prince shall enter it. Only the prince, the king of all kings Will enter that gate Now on Palm Sunday What we see is That prophecy being fulfilled God himself Has provided the lamb For the sacrifice God himself is providing Jesus Christ As the lamb of God Who takes away the sins of the world Now let me give you a side note about this Well I I don't Favor that side over this side. I'll walk over here, right at the edge of the camera angle. If you look at the gate, you will see a bunch of like little shrubs in front of it. Now, two things about the gate you'll notice. First of all, uh, Mike, that's a wall, not a gate. Yes, the the Muslims have blocked the gate, closed, and they control that part of the city. And they've placed what in front of it? All those shrubs are not really shrubs; they're part of a cemetery. Now, why would you do that? To desecrate the gate. What would a good Jew never do? Touch dead bodies or go through dead bodies. And of course, by blocking the wall solid, by blocking the gate solid, how could anyone get through there? Obviously, they underestimate the power of Jesus because if death can't stop him, I doubt a concrete wall is going to slow him down too much. Amen? so here you have Jerusalem now the dome on the rock that you see there is on Mount Moriah Mount Moriah is important to all three of the world's great religions it's important to Judaism because that's where Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac and does not because God does provide a lamb that is where Jesus went to teach in the temple and then 600 years later according to their traditions Muhammad took his night journey to heaven uh, on the El Baruch the lightning bolts and then ended up in Medina So this holy place is Jerusalem and it is the spiritual center and the religious center of God's chosen people. Now, the spiritual center means, and when we talk spiritual, I want to break down a little bit between spiritual and religious. Spiritual is an encounter with God. Spiritual moments are those times where either a congregation And we hope to have some during the course of our worship Whether it's our singing or praying or preaching, whatever That we hope that you as a congregation or as individuals Have an encounter that's personal, that, that's moving that, that, that you encounter God and know the Lord is real and He is mine that is, that is spiritual There is religious, now religious is the administration Of the temporal affairs of the church You know, Christianity is a religion faith is your relationship with God that's spiritual now they're supposed to be connected they're supposed to be hand in glove they're supposed to be woven together in such a way that spiritual and religious cannot be torn apart but religion is God's people organized and spirituality is God's activity and in the time of Jesus those two had some dissonance between the two That's why the John the Baptist had to come Preaching repentance, that's why Christ Came, because you the, the second part of that Question is the why now Why is Christ coming right Now, it's because God Himself had determined that the Time was ripe, this was the moment In all of the history that preceded it and would Follow it, that God can see, all at one Time, of course God chose that time You know, we dated around 29 Or 33 years um, AD that Jesus was going to Jerusalem now in the scriptures it says that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem now we might see say that saying, well he turned and started walking to Jerusalem no the expression set your face means I have determined that is where I'm going and no thing, nothing can stop me that's setting your face this is a divine mission that Christ is on and he will not be um, waylaid he will not be set it aside now Jesus had been to Jerusalem several times before But this was the final time. This was the time above all other times. The question that Jesus was coming with was would people see him as the Christ, the Messiah sent from God? Would they see that through his teaching, his person, his activity, and his mission? Would Would they see him that way? And if not... If they did not see him as the Christ, the Messiah, they would see him as the Christ, the Messiah, through his suffering. Would they see him as the Messiah through the beatings he took, through the humiliation, through the sham of a trial, through the crown of thorns that was pounded on his head, through the, through the flogging that went to his back, through the punches that came to his face and the spitting on and the stripping of his clothes. Would they see him through his suffering servanthood from them? Or would they need to see the resurrection? because there was a day when the physical body of Jesus Christ slain came alive as the lamb once slain but now alive in final victory so the parade that's mentioned in all four gospels begins the coronation so here's the route. Let me show you a picture of the route. You saw that side of the mountain. That that's where he ends. Jesus ends at going through the Eastern Gate up onto the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah. But this is where he begins. So if you look at this at this photo, obviously the buildings that were there are there now were not there in the time of Jesus. On the top of the hill, you see the Israeli flag by the four apartment buildings? Um, nod yes or say yes. Okay, good. That hill is very famous in the Bible. It's called the Mount of Olives. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay, the Mount of Olives is actually a ridge that's about two miles long. But right, those, those apartments, right behind that Israeli flag, is the city, which is a town, which is about um, a third the size of this church property, about 10 acres, called Bethany. Okay, that's where Jesus and his friends Lazarus, Mary, Martha lived. So Jesus comes from the Mount of Olives, down past, you see the Roman Orthodox Church there, down past the Roman Orthodox Church, the one with all the domes on it, down to where this church is, which is called the Church of All Nations, where it it was believed that Christ prayed for us all, because what, on your photo, what is right to the left of the Church of All Nations? There's a garden there, it's called Gethsemane. Heard of it? Okay, so when Jesus starts at the top of the Mount of Olives, which is Bethphage and Bethany, and comes down riding the little donkey. He goes down what you're looking at. You're at the bottom of what's called the Kidron Valley. Okay, you read this in Scripture. He comes down through the Kidron Valley and right up to the hill you saw. So when we look at the Palm Sunday Parade, it's not like what you imagine. It's not like the parade that you see uh, at Macy's Thanksgiving Day or something like that. It's about a 1,000 yards long. And there were actually very few people involved in it. You know, because the question is, who saw it and who didn't? Well, we know the disciples and we know some of the people that had affiliated with Jesus from Bethany and Bethphage. They came along and they were slinging their coats in front of them, and others joined them, no question about it, because they knew that it was this Jesus, that, that, the Jesus that they had heard about that was coming. But you know who didn't see it? The political figures of his day, the religious leaders. They didn't pay any attention to it. It's just another uh, among many that were coming down the hill. So, so then again, we ask again, why Jerusalem? Why did Jesus do this at Jerusalem when there were so many other places he could have done it? Because Jerusalem is the place where kings are coronated. That's the place where a king takes their crown. From David to Zedekiah, 400 years of kings, of Israeli kings had been coronated in Jerusalem, in the holy city. 600 years had passed from Zedekiah's reign to Jesus, but Jesus was to be coronated in Jerusalem as well, in this place. Now, his coronation was not in glory, his coronation is in humiliation. Let me show you this next picture. You see, the coronation in humiliation is very different than what a king does. In a coronation of glory This is one of the most famous Depictions of this we, we have it in wood Outside here in our west entryway We also had a stained glass window That was very dissimilar from this But with the same kind of imagery on it In the downtown church It is pictured like this Because unlike other kings Jesus is not anointed at the temple But he is anointed As the scripture says At his place Which is outside of An opposite from Jerusalem, He's not anointed by the high priest, the chief priest. That, that's who should do that. That's who anoints a king. Jesus is anointed by an anonymous woman. You can read this in Mark 14. He's anointed an anonymous woman, by an anonymous woman in the house of a leper. An anonymous woman with, with questionable reputation in the house of a leper who is about as dirty a place as you could get, both defiled. So Jesus was outside his place And opposite of this And the crown of thorns Is not One of gemstones And precious metal And the crowds that come to Jesus' coronations They jeer him, they don't cheer him His robe is is not laid on him It's stripped from him his installation takes place on a cross the most horrific place of suffering that could be imagined by the roman empire at the time rather than being seated on a lavish throne his entire coronation is in humiliation so what did jesus accomplish in entering jesus jerusalem in this way well first there is this public declaration of political allegiance they saw him one thing about people, one thing about you and me, we know the truth when we see it. We might want to be convinced of a lie, but we do know the truth when we see it. And people saw in Jesus the truth. So some of them stripped off their cloaks, threw them in front of Him, which is a symbol in that time of political allegiance. Now, the powers that be, they oppose Him. And they're not going to stop opposing Him. So, so Jesus does gain this public declaration of political allegiance, and his coming into Jerusalem fulfills the prophecy of the messianic king that comes in humility, as as Simon said at the beginning of our sermon, as the king of the ages and the king of all souls. Now in Zechariah, you see the king written of in humility. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people in Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet, adding a couple things, he doesn't come with a lavish processional. He doesn't come with steeds and warriors. He doesn't come with elephants and camels carrying precious things. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. He is the king of ages. He is the king of ages. He fulfills the prophecy. And how can Jesus fulfill the prophecy? Don't miss the obvious. Because he wrote it about himself. Jesus fulfills his own words. If he is the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he promised these things about, about himself. And, and why does he come this way? Because people, not politics, matter to God. So that was then... And this is now How should we respond To Jesus entry into Jerusalem Because of course this is where the rubber really hits the road The rest is good history And it's helpful for us But how are we supposed to respond First we need to Understand the song they sing And make it ours We need to understand the songs So often times People will skip over the songs in the Bible. I just, in my Bible study a week or so ago, said don't skip the songs because the songs tell us the mood of the people. Don't skip the songs. Now, some of us like songs that make no sense because sometimes songs make no sense. Do you know who sang Tutti Frutti? Who? Little Richard. Little Richard sang him some Tutti Frutti. You know what Tutti Frutti means? No, nobody else knows either. All right. The crystals sang a song. If you know the, what the meaning of this, please come to me after worship. It, it's called "Dadu Run Run." Do anybody know what "Dadu Run Run" means? A do run 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 a do. A-do-run. You all have danced to it. I know that. If not, in the right age with your grandchildren. And of course, we do have uh, the president of the Hanson Fan Club with us today. And we know that it's Laura Campbell. <laughs> And their most famous song, do you know what it's called? Mmmbop, doodle up oom, you know. What's it mean, Laura? Sen- sure. uh, <laughs> it means nothing, we all know that. <laughs> Try to make something f- deep and philosophical out of um, bop. Now, some songs are nonsensical, and they're just fun, and that's okay. And there are other songs, because sometimes, and like the word songs we find in Scripture, Their meanings are potent and powerful. Twice in the last week, I finished a funeral with a Frank Sinatra song. Anybody guess what it was? My way. way. Why? Because the family of the person that we were commemorating, that we were celebrating, was saying that this person lived life on their own terms. They did it their way. If you're a Fleetwood Mac fan from my generation, you've also heard the song landslide. And, and the, the words, the lyrics of landslide talk about what it's like to experience brokenness and loss. And it's got some deep and rich meanings. And of course, we also have some potent words that all of us, that if I, that if I had Diana or Simon start playing a song right now, we could get you all to stand if they played the first bars of the Star-Spangled Banner, right? Because we affiliate with that. Those words are potent and powerful. The the words of a poem by Francis Scott Key that say we stand for, we fight for independence and freedom. It's our rallying cry. These these words have rich depth and meaning to us. Now, the Palm Sunday hymn, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's taken right off. It's it's an interpretation of Psalm 118. I want to unpack some of that for you in my remaining minutes. Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, it is mo- and, it is in, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done this this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. See, the background of that is that Christ is the cornerstone. He, he's the cornerstone on everything stands. You know, it, you see some of these big, older buildings. There is a cornerstone on them. And if you pull the cornerstone out... Everything falls what, what we're saying about Jesus Is that he's the cornerstone of all creation He was there at the beginning He, he, is, he is the creator He is the redeemer He is the sustain, sustainer Without him there is nothing It is the cornerstone of creation in Christ our king And he is the best element of creation And it is the best element The key element of creation That is being rejected By the Jewish leaders In Jerusalem And this is happening on Palm Sunday. And it's happening now in 2022, where so many of our culture are rejecting Christ as the cornerstone of our life and living. But He is the King of Ages, and He is the King of Souls, which is why the psalm goes on in, in Psalm 118. It says, Lord, save us, which, by the way, roughly translated means Hosanna. Lord, save us. Please save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Hosanna, please save us. The words are words of recognition. We know exactly who we're looking at. We are looking at the Lord, the king of ages, the king of souls. Psalm 118 continues. The Lord is God, and he who made his light shine on us with bows in our hand, we join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord. For He is good. His love endures forever. This is a call to living in recognition, in recognition of our need for a Savior. This is what Israel is singing. We know we need a Savior. And and we need to sing in in recognition that we need a Savior too. And the song goes on in Israel, in in, in Hebrew. We know we have a a Savior Jesus writing in Jerusalem is a that we have on. This is a call to specifically, in ways that exalt God, live our lives out. And so, of course, all that to point towards this. We have the opportunity in the Lenten season, which lasts now until April 17th, Easter Day, to declare a holy season in our own lives. We can do that. Wednesday night at at uh, Ash Wednesday and throughout this season, we'll continue to encourage you to identify an attachment that captures your attention or desire. Something that really catches your attention. and And, and really consider how you deal with it. Something, something that's negative, or it might not be negative. Something that just takes your attention away from your spirituality. Um, I, I know this is silly, but at least that at this service, you guys will understand what I'm talking about. But um, you know, sometimes what I do in my daily life—sometimes so, there's some moments that get pretty heavy. You know, I I deal with some of the most critical in, incidents in people's lives: grieving, um, diagnosis relationship scenarios and so when I go home at night uh, you know after I do some of the work I might have to do I don't really want to watch you know Teresa oh do you want to watch something I'm not watching anything that's dramatic and awful I don't want to do that so a few you know a year and a half ago maybe I started watching dumb YouTube videos I don't watch cat videos but I do watch like herds of deer jumping over cars. And I do watch these skateboard guys because I think they're the best athletes and the toughest people in the world. They jump off buildings and stuff. I, don't, I hope it's not my kids or grandkids, but I just watch these silly things. So I said, you know what? For all of Lent, I'm going to shut down YouTube. Oh my gosh, it's been hard so far. <laughs> Last night, I was like, I'm done with everything. I'm like, oh, I got to do something productive. But I tell you that because it does attract me And I'm not going to say necessarily that I'm going to spend An hour worth of reading the Bible I already do that at a different time of the day But I can use that for something else And when, every time I remember that I'm not Supposed to be watching YouTubes And I'm not watching YouTubes It's important for me to remember the purpose of my action Or inaction and I encourage you to think of something If you haven't already now And then share it with another person it socialize that for accountability and inspiration Simon did on Wednesday night he shared with you what he was going to not do and I just shared with you here now you're not necessarily going to have a microphone but I will advise you this uh, whether you're in the church online or whether you're here there are 7.2 billion other people in the world that you can share it with or you can send me an email or text me or something or send me an IM that's okay I, I, I'd love to, love to know and pray for you and use your declaration to draw yourself closer to God God's always seeking to draw you closer But but you can use that to draw yourself closer. You remember when you're going through it If you're fasting remember why your stomach is hungry If you're if you're not turning on to youtube like me remember why not just because you want to You know, it's just not the act of self-denial. It's the why it's because i'm affiliating with the king of ages and the king of souls And plan plan your your future in relationship to whatever you've added or subtracted during this holy season of lent What, What are you gonna do afterwards? Are you going to jump right back in Are you going to say Maybe I'm doing a little bit Of that too much Or maybe you think This is a good thing I just needed to do that For a while And as for today You're invited to seek An encounter with the Lord At his communion table I've served communion Hundreds maybe thousands Of times now in my ministry And I know this That a great deal Can happen here Or very little Can happen here as well I will tell you this, that communion by our Lord was instituted for us to have personal encounters with Him. So we're going to take Holy Communion.